Hello and welcome to episode 17 of the Mark and Me podcast. As always, I'm your host Mark. Now coming up on today's episode, it's a bit of a special. It's actually going to be a three-part special. This is a first for me, this is a first for Mark and me, and it's something very, very close to my heart. So it's going to be a special dedicated to the room actors, where are they now? Now before I get into that, what I want to do is just give you all out there a big thank you. You do mean the world to me and it's great to see how many of you are jumping on board and listening to the Mark and Me podcast. The Twitter is growing, the Facebook is growing and it just seems to be getting more and more popular after every episode. And I just want to thank all of you for providing me with feedback on the last episode, the Michael Winslow Police Academy episode. It's been phenomenal. The amount of people that have told me they were sitting there laughing on the bus or walking to work and wetting themselves laughing at his impressions and his voices and sound effects. It was just like that for me sitting there doing the interview. So thank you and I'm glad that you all loved it because it was something I was really, really proud of. And to put it out there and see the response is it's very, very um, great to see. So thank you very much to you all. But let's get on to what I've got for you all today. So as I just said, we're going to be talking about The Room, one of my favourite films. The Room is a film that, if you've ever met me, you'll know after talking to me for about 10 minutes how obsessed and how much I adore this film. It was given to me by Ben on a Skip to the End episode when we did a rewatch of The Room, but for me it was the very first time I'd seen it, so we're talking a couple of years ago now. Ben had done some research and wanted to pick a film that had been, you know really really panned in the media really really panned on all the press anyone that's seen it says it's one of the worst films ever made it's supposed to have the worst acting the worst script the worst budget just an absolute terrible film so when he put it on to us as the rewatch I was dreading it and I won't lie the very first time I watched it I didn't really get it I didn't think it was great I watched it again with a few beers and a friend and we were sat there wetting ourselves, and it just clicked. And since then, a couple of years ago, I've been absolutely obsessed with this film, and rightfully so. It is a masterpiece. It's so unique, so original, so different, and you'll never see another film like it. So since obviously watching that, I've gone on and interviewed Tommy Wiseau, the main guy, for Skip to the End. I've interviewed Greg Sestero for Skip to the End, and most recently on Mark and Me. We all know now about the disaster artist that's coming out, and the whole world will be hearing about James Franco's performance and how he pulls off Tommy. But, you know, this is why I'm here now. I wanted to do a dedicated special for The Room, but most importantly, The Room Actors and what they're doing now. So it's been a while since I've actually watched The Room and read the book, The Disaster Artist, but what I wanted to do is kind of spread the word about this film again. I wanted to go out there and speak to some of the cast and find out literally what they're doing now, what their experience like was on set, what it was like meeting Tommy, what the whole room means to them, and that's what I've just done for you all. It all started around eight months ago, so I started to reach out to some of the cast, thinking I might get two or three interviews to be able to hopefully get enough material to put out about an hour special. How little did I know? I went out there and I started contacting people, and it all started when I met Robin Paris. Now, Robin Paris is Michelle in the room, who's kind of a really good friend to Lisa, and she's kind of helping her out with the affair and trying not to take sides, but knows that Tommy isn't the best love for her. And it's a very strange setup, and hopefully if you haven't seen the room, after listening to these interviews, you'll be completely infatuated like me and go and watch it. But if you have seen it, Michelle is great and a really good character and you you will laugh. You'll see her making out on the couch, eating chocolate in the most seductive way you could ever imagine. But more importantly, when I spoke to Robin, she told me all about a project she's working on and it actually is very similar to what I wanted to do. Speak to the room actors and find out what they're doing now. So much so, she's actually done a mockumentary. It's called The Room Actors, Where Are They Now? Which is just amazing. So as a director, as a writer, as a producer, Robin really was incredible to speak to. And that's the first person I want to give you the interview with today because she's amazing. You'll hear all about this documentary and I really do want anyone that's listening 
to at some point after listening today go on the roommockumentary.com and check this out because these videos are going to be coming we're going to get a hopefully a 10 part series the amount of work and effort that she has put in is incredible and I think we're going to get some really good results we're going to get a very funny series and it's going to be a reminder of just how much we love these characters so what I'm going to do is I'm going to hand you over to my interview now it's going to be me and Robin and we're going to be talking all about the room the room actors documentary we're going to be talking about the disaster artist and then after that we're going to be speaking to Philip Holderman who plays Denny so here we go this is me and Robin Paris thanks for your time today Robin for any of the listeners out there can you explain to me how you got involved and more importantly your character of Michelle in the room I um, had just moved to LA from Chicago and I, I saw an ad in Backstage West which is basically the trade paper out here in LA back you know 12 years 13 years ago um, before things were done online, and I just saw an ad for um, an audition, so I submitted my headshot. I basically was in the practice of sm- submitting my headshot to anything when I came out here, and I got a call uh, from Greg Sestero, who was um, uh, doing some of the casting for The Room. I didn't really know, obviously, it was The Room at the time. I went to the audition. Um, I was the first person there because I had a play I was doing that night in Hollywood. So I got there early, and I think that's actually why I got the part, because Tommy was there, and he just started asking me questions about my background and, you know, about my acting experience, and then he essentially told me, you know, I like you, and I think I cast you, and I'm, like, thinking, I I didn't read, I didn't, (laughs) how do you know, you want to cast me, and basically he told me he was going to cast me, but then... Then I auditioned, and then a ton of other people got to the set, and they all auditioned. This, turns out, I figured out later, was kind of mid-season. I was a mid-season replacement. Um, They were recasting the role of Michelle. Um, Juliet had originally been playing Michelle, and she switched and and went to play Lisa. And a couple other people had had been playing Lisa before and had had left and, you know, uh, quit. And so they needed did a new Michelle. They had already shot a lot of the Michelle scenes and they basically were going to be reshooting all of it. So they cast me and they were also casting Greg Ellery's character, Stephen, because they knew that Kyle might be leaving. He had another another commitment. He had another film he was doing. He played Peter. And so Greg Ellery was there too, along with a bunch of other people. And Greg Ellery and I read the chocolate is a symbol of love scene for the audition. And then Tommy had us do, you know, you know, she'd shout at us, okay, now your best friend just died, go! And you'd have to, you'd want to burst into tears, you know, just like, oh my god! And if you didn't break down and, and act, you know, really sad, you'd be like, what's wrong with you? A best friend just died, you know, you have, you, you have no feeling, and so then we did, did that, and then after that, he'd, you know, yell, okay, now you just won the lottery, and he wanted you to be screaming, and, and that was basically the audition process. What was the actual part that you auditioned for, or did you just turn up to be in this film? I guess I was auditioning for Michelle, um, and I read the Michelle role for the audition, The Chocolate is a Symbol of Love, which is this scene that I'm in in the room um, where my boyfriend and I kind of break into the the room, it's where everything takes place, to uh, feed each other chocolate and engage in uh, um, some activity, extracurricular activities. Yeah, so that's the scene I read. It, um, I never saw a script, even through the course of the whole filming of The Room, I never saw a script. So I would get the pages uh, for the next day at the end of every day, you know, okay, you're going to be shooting this scene tomorrow, and I'd look and it'd be like three pages, and I would have no idea where those pages fell in the context of the whole movie whether at the beginning the middle the end like and they seem to jump around in the sense of like in one scene I'd be really really conspiratorial with Lisa you know I'd be like oh you know talking about her and her affair and I'd be kind of like thinking this was juicy gossip and that was the approach my character took and then in another scene I'd be completely up in arms and like flabbergasted that she was having this affair and it seemed like my character just was there's no rhyme or reason as to whether I was like thinking this was really cool that she was having the affair or completely shocked. And so I, I would ask Tommy, you know, I'd say, what do you want me to do? How am I supposed to play? Where, where is this in the context of the movie? And he's like, you know, you just go with your gut. You just go with what you you think, your best friends. And that was basically what he kept saying, your best friends. And that was supposed to somehow be, like, informational for me and tell me how to play this. So, um, yeah. So when I saw the premiere, I was the whole movie put together, I was just as shocked as basically anyone else because there were so many scenes I didn't know existed. 
like the tuxedo scene um, where all, the male characters are all randomly in tuxes for no apparent reason, and then in the next scene they're they're not in the tuxes anymore. Um, so all of these were, were shocks to me too when I saw the movie, and I was just I, I thought it was hilarious. I was dying laughing at the premiere and just thought it was the funniest one of the funniest things I'd ever seen. That's the good thing about the room. I mean, I, I admit I've seen the room too many times. Um, whenever it's touring in the UK, um, I will go and see it. Whenever I have a group of friends around, I want to introduce them to this kind of really obscure rare film that not everyone's heard about but once they've seen it for the first time they suddenly become kind of obsessed with it it's like a rocky horror show people then dress up and go to the cinema with footballs and throw the spoons at the screen and i've never seen another film in the last sort of 20 years that's had an impact like this where people are actually obsessed with this film there's something about it it's so funny unintentionally funny and quotable and the situations are so ridiculous and it's so stilted that it's just, it defies, sometimes I think it defies explanation as to why it is so funny. But it just like really, really speaks to people and people find it funny on just multiple levels. And it's it's deeply, deeply funny. I think it's way funnier than some of the, the comedies that are out there that are trying to be funny. So when I've spoke to Tommy, I've tried to get inside his head and find out if the room was deliberately meant to be this laugh out loud comedy that people kind of laugh at, not laugh with, which is sometimes quite tragic. He kind of now sells it as a film that he intentionally wanted to be funny. But do you hand on heart sincerely think that he intended to make a very serious film? Yes, absolutely. He intended this to be very serious, very dramatic. <laughs> Which, um, you know, it's probably as far as real and sensible as I've ever seen. I think I remember him saying something on set about the end. I knew at the end, spoiler alert, that he was going to kill himself. But he said something about that on set, and he said, this is a dramatic film, and at the end, everyone needs to be in tears. And I remember him saying something like that, and I know, obviously, he meant tears of grief, but... I think we were all in tears of laughter, unfortunately, at the end. But yeah, so I, I know that he really took this seriously and intended it to be a, 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 a searing drama. It was really interesting then hearing about your kind of audition and the way you went there and kind of nearly got cast as one role and then ended up in another role and there's people getting sacked and leaving the set. And, you know, I've read various stories about how hard the production was for this film and trying, you know, the amount of people that were hired and sacked is is crazy but can you give me an idea of what it was like basically on the first day of shooting your part um it was interesting i had gone to a call back and then i didn't hear from them for about a week and i got a call around three o'clock asking how fast i could get to the set and so i said you know i happened to have nothing to do (laughs) right that day so i i went to the set and within about 30 minutes of arriving we were filming the chocolate is a symbol of love scene so as soon as I got to the set, they gave me the script. They said, we're filming this in 30 minutes. I wore the same clothes that I wore to the set. Those are my clothes in that scene. I powdered my makeup a little bit, and I, we shot this scene. So it was really fast. It happened really quickly. I think I saw Tommy. He said hi while I was you know, getting makeup, and then I was suddenly on set, and we were filming. And, there, and Tommy was there directing and just... It happened so fast, and I didn't even have, like, a warm-up period. And you, and you said there was no script at this point. You literally just went in and just kind of... Did you kind of just go with the flow and just kind of kiss and have this chocolate all over his hands and just go with what was <laughs> meant to happen for the scene? Or I just... That scene is very weird, and I just... <laughs> there were pages, you know, like I said. You know, he did have a script that he wrote. He just wouldn't show it to anybody. So what he did is he gave me three pages when I got to the, the set. It was written and scripted. I read, I mean, I didn't read, I just read, I just tried to memorize it quickly, and then we did the scene. But it was, yeah, I was like, chocolate is a symbol of love, feed me, and just really ridiculous <laughs> lines like that, like, arms up. It was ridiculous, but I remember I asked him, can I have a script, because I would like to know where my, what my character's doing, like, I thought at that point I could give the character a semblance of some sort of arc or transition and and he said you know i'm not going to give it to you because you might steal it wow and now you can go and openly buy it on the website for ten dollars and keep it (laughs) to yourself if you need it (laughs) exactly what's your relationship like now with tommy because i've i've done a lot of studying on this film and i know a lot of the cast don't really speak to him anymore or some people have kind of had big big fallouts what are you like now are you on good terms with him 
I saw him a couple of times at screenings, and I saw him. At, yeah, so I did see him about two years ago at a room screening in L.A. And he, I went up and I kind of talked to the audience with him for a little bit. But he, and he was nice there, but he doesn't like that. He doesn't like to share limelight at all. Like so, it was just in L.A. I was here. I was here with a group of friends, and it's literally just two miles from my house where where they do the room screening. So I went with a group of friends, and he did not want me up there. <laughs> Um, he was gracious in that moment, but he, um, he, he was not happy overall that I was there mainly because he doesn't want other room actors, um, really coming, um, that, that often to the screenings. Um, so, uh, I haven't really interacted with him much, you know, since then. Um, I hear through the grapevine that he's, he's good with the project that we're doing, the room actors, where are they now? Because, it's not anything about Tommy, and it's not about recreating the room in, in any way. It's it's about the other actors from the room and looking at a fictionalized uh, version of what our lives are like now. So we are playing ourselves like Robin plays Robin and Juliet plays Juliet. We're not playing um, – I'm not playing Michelle at all. It's all completely original. Um, so he's – I think he's not, he's not really concerned about our project, and I haven't really heard anything from him about it. But like I said, I hear through the grapevine that he's fine with it. You were just mentioning then, obviously, this new uh, project that you're working on, uh, The Room Actors, Where Are They Now? Now, in the UK, I don't know much about this yet. I've done some research. I've seen bits and bobs. I've seen the official trailer, and I love the poster that you guys have put out. You just started to talk a little bit about it then, but can you give me a bit more of an insight to this? Because it's something that I'm really excited about, and I know fans of the room are already getting quite a buzz from it. Oh, great. I'm really excited to share it with everybody. It's um, So it's a web series, and I've shot the first three episodes. They're each eight minutes long, so it's about 24 minutes, where we introduce all of the main actors who are going to be in the web series, and that's seven out of nine of the original actors from The Room. And then we, we partnered with some other um, you know, fairly well-known comedic actors here in L.A. This guy Craig Kukowski plays the documentarian. He plays a guy who's basically trying to dig up dirt about the room actors and where and find out what they're doing now so it's basically it's just a fictionalized documentary um where you kind of take a peek into what what we are doing with our lives and the the gist of it is you know we are struggling with either embracing or shaking the stigma of being associated with the worst movie ever made um and depending on who that who the character is some of us are doing better than others yeah so i have seven more episodes written and i would really love to shoot them um but i need the funds you know to to shoot the rest of that of the series so i'm really hoping to get you know the funding to do that and be able to have the entire 10 episodes so so what's your kind of plan of attack are you putting three episodes out there soon and then going to do like a kickstarter or a fund me project yeah so what i'm trying to figure we're trying to do now is i'm doing some festivals first and I'm hoping that there's an pl- online platform that would be interested in this and hosting it on their platform and then potentially uh, giving us some money to fund the rest of the series. Um, that would be the ideal situation. If, if that doesn't work out, then I probably would go ahead and just release it and then use hopefully any buzz generated from it to generate to, to earn to raise more money to shoot the rest of the series. I did do a Kickstarter campaign initially yeah. to fund this the, the first three episodes and that went okay yes that that went well we raised the money but it was hard to stretch it i mean we had eventually basically a twenty five thousand dollar budget we shot it on two red cameras and we we shot it in a way that it's it's really high-end looking it's very professional looking so it ended up being expensive <laughs> and i had to dip into my own pocket a little bit to pay for it as well to finish it you know, I'd rather not dip back into my own pocket because no. it's just too expensive. Um, but we'd be looking for maybe investors also who would want to help us finish the rest of the series. So how did this actually come about? Because it, it sounds really interesting. I love the fact that you're not playing the parts that you were. So there's not Lisa, Michelle, Denny. It's actually you as you are now, as the people as such as Robbing and Philip and everyone. Mm-hmm. How did this all come about? Because it, it sounds fascinating. Yeah, I had the idea a couple years ago to do a spoof um, on Citizen Kane. Just, you know, it's known, the room is known as a Citizen Kane of bad movies. So I originally had this idea to do, like, 
Juliet would be like Susan Alexander from Citizen Kane in a in a red in a bar with a red dress and hunched over a drink, and we would spoof Citizen Kane. Um, you know, Citizen Kane is done as a documentary. It's probably one of the early, the first sort of mockumentaries that ever, you know, was made. And so I thought, you know, this will be fun. I'll do. I'll have a documentarian who's trying to find the actress from the room, find the mystery. There's, and I wanted to establish a mystery and. And then I just found that continuing the meta, like the comparison to Citizen Kane and the spoof of Citizen Kane was just too hard to carry through. And so then it just sort of evolved into sort of a VH1 behind the music or this is Spinal Tap kind of like, you know, just following the actress from the room, a guy who's obsessed with the room. He's the documentarian and he, 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 he's obsessed with the movie and he was supposed to play Mark in the movie. He thought he got the part, but he actually didn't. Greg Sestero got it instead of him. And he's like hung up on that. And this is the, the documentarian character's story that he is obsessed with getting to know the actress who he was destined to be you know, friends with because he thinks he is destined to be in the room. And so anyway, he's trying to find all these characters and find all these actors and figure out what they're doing now. So that's how it originated. And I, I pitched it to Juliet and Philip and um, Greg and uh, Carolyn when we were doing promotion for Greg's book, The Disaster Artist. And they were really interested. And so I went back and I kind of fixed the script a little bit. And then Juliet emailed me. I remember like a month later, she's like, hey, where's that script? I really want to read it. So I sent it to her and she really liked it. And that gave me the confidence to send it to everyone else. And they they really liked it. So then I did the Kickstarter campaign to raise money for it. And at this point, it was only a 12-minute short. And after I raised the money on Kickstarter, I just got so excited. And I'm like, this is a bigger project. I want to make it bigger. I want to expand it. So I wrote the, the whole – I wrote it as a web series and wrote 10 episodes. Um, but then, you know, got the budget together and saw I only had the money to shoot about the, the first three episodes, which are 24 minutes total. And that was disappointing. I really wanted to shoot the whole series. But, you know, money will only go so far in filmmaking. So of course. we have a crew and camera people and a sound person and editing and it just adds up. That's how it came about. That's brilliant. And it, I really hope that we do get to see the next seven episodes and see the full kind of thing because it's it's sounding fantastic already. And to know you've kind of invested that much money and it looks that good, it's it, it should hopefully get the attention it deserves. Yeah, I'm really fortunate living here in L.A. and having gone to UCLA Film School is that there are a lot of really talented people around here. And a lot of them were, were not kind enough to work at very reduced rates or free. Um, so I got like a great, excellent um, uh, person who does original music for uh, lots of professional TV shows and, you know, film who gave us some of his cues for, you know, for free to use for free. So there are just a lot of things like that where, you know, people pitched in or jumped in and just helped make this happen um, because they liked it or they liked the idea and they they were really talented but didn't charge us a fortune. And so that's how we were able to do it and have it look pretty high quality for a low budget. Brilliant. So I've got a couple more questions. The big one I'm eager to ask now is when do we get to see this? How long have we got to wait until... I know you're premiering in a festival in London, but when when can the public get their hands on this? How can we see this? Yeah, that's a great question. I, I, I desperately want to show it to people. Um, so we're running, doing the festival circuit now. I think the film festival circuit will help kind of raise our profile and help increase the, the odds that we will be able to sell it some to somebody and have it be hosted on an online platform, which would increase the odds that we'll be able to make the next seven episodes. I can't, I don't know exactly when it will be available. I'm hoping as soon as possible, if I can meet some people and sell it right away, that would be awesome. I mean, ideal world, it will be out hopefully next spring for the public. Um, that's my, that's what I hope. Well, I'm, I'm sure uh, the listeners out there are like myself and really looking forward to this. And, um, I just want to finish on the fact that you just mentioned there the book, um, The Disaster Artist by Greg Sestero. Now, I read that book, and it's a book I've read many times. I'm, I absolutely love it, and I think it really does paint a good picture of what it'd be like to be involved in the room. And the big thing to come from that is the fact that we've now got the movie adaptation of this, but we've got the backing of James Franco as playing Tommy, and this is really going to bring to the public the room. And at the moment, it sounds strange, but the room is like this little secret that some people know about, and it's like that thing you share. 
I can see now this film opening up a lot of the general public's eyes to this film, and the next thing you know is that everyone is talking about The Room. That's surely going to be a great time for you to be involved in this. Yeah, the the timing is just in, in, in complete kismet and um, basically just really lucky. I mean, like I had this idea three years ago. I raised money for it two years ago. I shot it a year ago. It's done now. It's doing the festival. And, you know, Greg's book came out and then James Franco optioned his book. It was like right as almost as I launched my Kickstarter campaign last year, uh, James Franco had just optioned his book maybe like a month before. Yeah, it's just strange, the timing, because it wasn't planned that way. It just has been really lucky that the timing is 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 where all things are converging. It's like the perfect storm of room activity and room spinoffs and, you know, are all kind of happening at the same time. Are you really excited about this? Have you seen any of the clips? Did you know anything about the film? I mean, we've not even had a trailer. I think they're still cutting it together as we speak, but... I know. I'm really excited about it. I had somebody on my set who said he saw saw it because they did a screening of it here to to, to a test audience in right. Los Angeles. And a friend of mine saw it and he um, emailed me and he said he thought it was really really funny and he thought it was hilarious and was you know was wondering why why it's been taking so long to to be ready to come out because he thought it was awesome already. So I, I know that I don't think I'm, my character is a big role in, in the movie. I think I'm sort of just, which totally makes sense. I'm not a big role in the book. And I mean, I wasn't a humongous player on, on, in, in terms of this entire story. So, um, but it is, yeah, it's really, it's really cool. I mean, I'm really excited to see the movie. I loved the book. It was hilarious. Even if you've never seen the room, it's just a really entertaining story of friendship and of, sort of Hollywood dreams and, 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 you know, um, fame. And, um, it, it was very funny. Um, Tom Bissell and Greg Sestero just did a great job on it. I want to thank you for your time today. And, um, I'm really, really rooting for this, uh, new series of yours. And I hope the next time we talk, we're talking about maybe a second season coming out because of the success from all 10 episodes. I hope so. That would be wonderful. Um, that would be great. Thank you so much for having me on. And um, again, I really hope to get to share it with you and everyone out there very soon. So there's my interview with Robin Paris. And as I said, what a great person she is. She has so much knowledge. She has so much desire and so much passion that interviewing her and hearing how much it meant to her and how much she's going out of her own way, even putting money in out from her own pocket into this documentary is so inspiring and just so nice to see and I really really hope that you all enjoyed that interview as much as me because she's just great now going on from there as I mentioned I spoke to Philip Holderman now he plays in the film The Room Denny which is a character that comes in and out of the house randomly now and then he's not really we don't actually know if he's Tommy's son if he's related to anyone we don't really know what he is he seems just to be this random kid that Tommy kind of adopts and does a father figure for but is very iconic anyone you speak to about the room will always say oh yeah Denny's a great character oh hi Denny but yes I went out there and I spoke to Philip and again a great, great interview, and I'm so glad I get to share it with you. So here we have it, Philip Holderman talking all things The Room for Mark and me. I'm joined today with Philip, who plays the part of Denny in The Room. So thank you very much for taking the time to talk to me today. No problem, Mark. Good to be here. I just wanted to basically go straight back to the start. The Room is an absolute masterpiece to some people and an absolute bag of shit to others. I wanted to know how it came about. It was uh, 2002, I believe, is when we started shooting. I mean, I've been an actor. I I haven't acted as much as I used to, but I've never completely given it up. But um, back when I was younger, when I was, I mean, I started acting in high school. I got my degree at Arizona State University in theater, and I did... Um, quite a bit of professional theater here, some commercial work here in Phoenix, Arizona. So I had a decent resume up to the point when I was like 22 or it, about 22 when I moved to LA. And that was the whole goal to, you know, to get work, good work. You know what I mean? So I mean, I, I had an agent and I got decent work, you know, I mean, stuff that people didn't see, stuff that made it onto IMDb, but didn't necessarily, you know, get picked up or bought for distribution or anything like that, which is hugely common in LA. I mean, Actors will do all kinds of work, all kinds of theater work, or all kinds of film work, but nobody will ever see the light of day. So anyway, 
I got a call for a uh, a movie called The Room, and actually, I think it was um, the title at the time was The Neighbors. I do believe I got some sides when I got there. Part of the script, the auditions that I um, went to were improvised. So Tommy would ask me to uh, come into the frame and do something crazy, you know. And that was largely the direction that I got from him. I, I gave it my best shot. <laughs> so I ended up going. I got called back like five times, which is crazy. That's a lot of callbacks for any film, whether it's Steven Spielberg or Tommy Wiseau, you know. And as far as I know, I never encountered any other person uh, auditioning for the character of Denny. So, and then one day I got a, um, I got a call from, I think it was Greg, actually. I'm not positive, saying, hey, I got cast in the film. And, and that's, how, that's how it started from my end, you know. So when you arrived on the actual set for the first day, were you in your head playing the part of Denny or was it at that time not actually disclosed who you were going to be? Was it just a, a role in the room or were you actually winning that role of Denny? Yeah, I was actually cast as Denny and um, I got some of the script. Actually, what, what happened was we I think we went through a couple of weeks of rehearsal first, I believe, which is rare for film, actually. Uh, usually you just jump straight in right into the shoot but i got um i got some sides or part of the script i should say and um and just study those up into rehearsal and throughout rehearsal um whatever i got in terms of the script i never got the full script but whatever i got i just studied as as denny the character and basically took information from the script but i also used my imagination to fill in the holes so yeah first day i was i mean i wasn't all like method or anything like that but i was i was there to play the part of denny and how did he kind of portray to you he wanted the character to be played? Because Denny comes on the scene, obviously, so far into the film, and we're not sure at this point if he's the son of Tommy. We're not sure if he's a neighbour. We don't really know much about him, but he's accepted by Johnny, sorry, in this uh, film. And we see the love and kind of respect he's got for him. Was Did it change as the film went on, or were you some days thinking... Does he hate me for being around Lisa all the time, or does he love me for being around as kind of a son figure? What what was it like? It was. I mean, the way I played the role, um, at least in my head, was that Denny truly and deeply loved Lisa and Johnny. And honestly, it wasn't. I mean, I know that the script says I like to watch and this sort of stuff, but I really tried my best to play it as from a place of pure love. I mean, Johnny probably could have thrown me off the roof. And I still would have loved him. Yeah. Or, you know, Denny would have loved him. You know what I mean? So that's how I, that's how I viewed the role. Pure love, pure love. So when you went on the set, can you remember what the first scene was that he wanted? Did it go in kind of the order of the film, or did he do random scenes at different places, or was it that first when you're knocking on the door and come in and just kind of start watching them make out on the bed? No, it was um, it was shot out of order, like most films. I don't honestly do not remember what scene i shot first um so i couldn't say for sure so but we we pretty much shot everything you know um out of order we'd know what scene we were going to shoot the day before basically i've read a lot about the different characters that kind of left set and quit or got fired was it quite nice to know that you were the only denny from the start to the finish it kind of was actually um yeah i don't know i mean they could have re- they could have definitely held auditions if they decided to um you know, get me out of the cast. But as far as like working on a set, I try to kind of just do my best to play the part and hit my line and get the hit my um, spot or whatever and make sure I do everything the best to the best of my ability. So I'm kind of like when I'm on set, I'm like, I mean, I'm not like method on set or anything like that. But when I'm on set, I'm just trying kind of like, honestly, just mind my own business. And when I'm asked to be just come do the scene and then leave, basically. After the film got made, finished, finally put out there, was it the first time you got to see the film at the final stage or did you get to go to a pre-screening or an early advanced screening or was it... Because I've just spoken to um, Robin, who plays the part of Michelle, and the first time she saw it was when they actually released it into the theatres. Oh, yeah. It was it was definitely first time. Most of the cast pretty much was there on the premiere. So we didn't know. We really did not know what to expect. I mean... On set, Tommy Wiseau um, was was very serious about it being a serious movie, and so that is what we showed up to the premiere thinking it would be. 
So what was it like when you sat there and it seems consistently throughout the whole of the cast that this serious film that Tommy tried to make that put his heart and soul into making a classic serious drama did turn out to be a kind of a... I don't want to say a joke because I have a lot of respect for the room but a a comedy where people laugh with it but also laugh at it. It was interesting. I mean, it was awkward. It was definitely awkward because we were thinking it was going to be a serious film and then people start laughing in places that you weren't expecting them to laugh, you know? Yeah, um, even the even the end scene when he, you know, it's not a spoiler, I'm sure a lot of people that are listening to this episode will know how it ends. We have Johnny shoot himself. People even laugh when I go to screenings now, ten years later, because it's the way he dies and the extreme kind of over-the-topness. Yeah, um, it was. I mean, honestly, watching the the, um, the premiere was a bit of a blur because it was just so unexpected. The main thing I remember about the premiere is, um, I mean, we all got dressed up and just like a normal premiere, and then we went out to a nice party afterwards. I remember uh, saying to Tommy, month like weeks before the uh, premiere, he handed out um, flyers to all of us so that we could promote the movie, you know, and. Um, my name was spelt on the fly- wrong on the flyer, and um, I said, "Well, just Tommy, make sure you it had two L's and Philip instead of one." And I and I asked him, to, "Just make sure you correct it for the for the movie." You know what I mean? And then I and then like seconds into the movie, I, I look up and see my room, and it's, and it's Philip with two L's, and I'm like, "Oh, Rick, that's like <laughs> never gonna change. It's always gonna be like that, you know, unless they do a uh, like a new round of of credits at the beginning of the film." But I don't know. So it was kind of like after that, I was like, "Well, like." I'm kind of like now the bar is like set to a much lower level and I'm like, well, whatever happens, happens. And then after the movie, I was like, well, you know, I got paid. I got good experience from being on a set and then boom, it was over. And I just never I wasn't expecting to to hear anything more about the room except to see it maybe on my IMDb page, you know. So what was it like now knowing that we're so many years after and to give you an example here in the UK in London, there's a Prince Charles cinema that plays this once a year, and I'm talking three times a night for a week, and every single screening sells out. Wow. I mean, I knew that the, I knew that London did the screenings. Um, I just didn't know it was like that. Um, no, it's insane. Like, I just, and actually, one of the things that really made me, that kind of, like, shifted in my mind, this was a while ago. This was probably, like, seven, eight years ago at this point, but I read an article in The Guardian, and I think the room was coming to that theater there. And I read an article in The Guardian, and I was like, holy crap. Like, th- like, it just, all of a sudden, the room went global to me. You know what I mean? Like, before, yes, it's been all over the country here in the States. And then I read this article in The Guardian, I'm like, whoa, this is like, and then I get fans, fan mail from Australia and stuff like that. And so, it's totally mind-blowing. It really, really is. And I give Tommy Wiseau mad credit for really kind of pumping it up you know he's he's the one that you know went on tour out here and kind of like really sold it you know my mind will continue to be blown you know what i mean and now the franco's doing his movie and stuff like that you know like it's just well that's what i wanted to come on to i mean if your mind is pretty blown now you need to get ready for wave two because the disaster artist it's going to be huge and suddenly everyone is going to be talking about the room I thought Greg's book was was accurate. I thought it was he did a good job. I I have no clue how Franco and all his, his guys are gonna are gonna treat the subject matter. I I think it can be really good if they stick to the Tommy Wiseau Greg Sestero relationship. Yeah. But if it ends up like a parody, I think it'll be it could be easily forgotten. So only time will tell, but. Yeah. If it does it right and they do it with respect and they capture that magic and bring it to people's attention, my God, you need to be ready for some serious <laughs> fan mail and Q and A's and tours. We'll see. Yeah, we'll see. It's crazy that um the dude from uh Hunger Games is playing me, and that's like it's weird to see a movie star play yourself. I mean, like, I mean, I haven't seen it, but I've seen I've seen uh, stills from the set. He's wearing like a jacket that, that I had to, nobody owns this jacket. I bought it in Hollywood years ago. I've never seen anybody wear it. I had to like go to my closet just to make sure it was still in there. So, I mean, I've just spoken to Robin and the, the new series that's hopefully going to be coming out next year. Uh, sounds like it's going to be a web series. The Room Actors, where are they now? How's that gone for you so far? Are you excited about this project? I thought I think it's a brilliant idea. Um, it makes sense too because I think I think there's a curiosity factor there for a lot of fans. Um, 
the room became so big. And you know, what are the uh, what are the other actors doing? I think that's that's a common um, curiosity. I mean, we've seen where are they now? TV shows pop up for the last 10, 15 years. You know, so and and to take it to the parody, parody level is 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 a great thing too because the room is so like over the like just over the top and completely wild and so with um robin's project we kind of just like take it to the you know go even more over the top you know what i mean so tell me about what you've been up to recently i know i've seen on your website that there's a kind of a comic graphic novel for your story yeah what happened was i came back from la i lived there from 2000 to 2004 and honestly i mean the room wasn't the only thing that happened to me i mean I, i mean the room happened the popularity of the room happened after I left LA, really. And so while I was there, I was, you know, a struggling actor. Um, and and I got back from LA, I moved back to Phoenix, which is where I was born, and I just started writing. You know, I figured this would be my memoir, this would be, I'm not sure, I wasn't sure how it would turn out. And interestingly enough, I, I ended up getting blocked, writer's block, and I couldn't really go any forward. So a buddy of mine said, hey, you should do a comic book out of this, because the story of my life in LA was rather comic book like. I mean, I mean, you can imagine the room and how kind of comic book like that is. But I mean, my whole life out there was really like that, and I just felt like the comic book was a great way, a great medium to put that story into. I recruited a, a um, an artist and then later a designer. We have been using what I wrote after I came back from LA, which was a lot of, it was a lot of content. I wrote probably like 50,000 words worth of just my experiences in LA. So we used that content to start producing a comic book. What we came up with was called my big break. It is a 10 series arc. It's a, like a, like a 32 page comic book, like just like Spider-Man or anything like that. We start with um, my first audition with Tommy Wiseau. And then we go up until I move back to Phoenix and go back to college and I start hearing that the room is taking off. And so that's, it's probably like a 2000 to 2006 or seven ish period, um, over 10, 10 issues. I've actually been a writer my whole life. Um, I actually came back and got a second degree, came back to Phoenix and got a second degree in journalism. I mean, it just kind of is part of what I've done my whole life is writing. So I write the comic book. Then I have two other, um, buddies who design and, and, um, do the art. Tommy Cannon does the art, Kyle Bennett um, does the design, and they're fantastic. And that's been a great experience. I mean, just the collaboration alone has been amazing, and we are at issue five right now. And so that is about to publish, so one of these days we'll finish, probably when I'm old and gray, which I'm already kind of gray, so (laughs) I I I need to speed it up. So it's been a great experience, really great. How do people get their hands on this if they want to check out this comic? Issue one is um, at philiphaldeman.com. I've only been selling it really exclusively at the Comic-Cons, usually, Phoenix. Yeah. Um, only issue one is available now, but we're, we're about to put more on the website at philiphaldeman.com. And that's definitely with the correct spelling of Philip. <laughs> <laughs> correct, yes. <laughs> so, uh, I mean, obviously you're on a podcast now. Uh, I, I hear that you also are a podcaster. Yeah, yeah, actually, um, so that's the other thing, I mean, um, the comic book thing has been really something, one of my projects that is ongoing in my life, but another thing that I wanted to do, I mean, I grew up in Phoenix, I love Phoenix, um, Arizona gets, tends to get a bad rap, um, and I wanted to kind of just say, hey, there's some amazing things going on here in Phoenix, and so I started this podcast with a friend of mine, it's called On the Grid. And it's called that because Phoenix is pretty much outlined on a grid system. It's very easy to get around here, um, very difficult to get lost. Uh, and so I'm, the podcast features upcoming people in Phoenix, people that are making news, that are doing good things for, for Phoenix. And so it's kind of the same format you have pretty much. We kind of uh, you know chat for like 45 minutes, 30 minutes. And that's it, basically, as a way to promote the city I live in and say, hey, man, there's a lot of good stuff going on here. And so we just started at the beginning of this year. And I know you, you're out of London, but if anybody uh, catches this podcast in the States or if you're even curious about what happens in Phoenix, Arizona, um, you can check that out at um, onthegridphx.com. I really like the fact that there's a lot of podcasts out there, but this is quite a 
a niche subject so there's hopefully not too much competition because you know exactly. most people are talking movies or sports or wrestling or games or you know if this is a completely different topic which you know uh, it sounds quite exciting yeah you hooked in um that was kind of the thing is because we don't really have anything out like out that here and so i always feel like you know if you're going to do something you should do everything is so saturated these days everything is so competitive if you're going to do something and you want people to know, like, you know, hear your voice or, you know, understand your art or read your art or do whatever, you need to do something a little different. And so that was kind of the point there. I mean, nobody has that, at least not up until this point. Watch something pops up tomorrow. But but yeah. Um, and the other thing I wanted to say about that was that I um, I've got 10 years of journalism experience and I've been interviewing people my whole life. It's, this is just kind of extension of kind of a talent that I want to get better at, you know, because the, the, this type of interview that you and I are having right now is not something I can get on the phone and talk to a politician for a half hour about all kinds of things. But to do it in this form is different. So I kind of wanted to get better at that and highlight the city that I grew up in as well. It must be something that comes across very passionate over audio. I certainly hope so. Just before I end this interview, I just wanted to know what the future's like for you. Obviously, you've just told me about your podcast, which sounds great, to finish your comic, but what else have you got on the kind of horizon? Gosh, man, I, I feel like... I th the nice thing is that both of these projects are ongoing for a while. I mean, I can do the podcast till I die, you know, if I wanted to. Um, I, I just think that, for me, it's important to, you know, continually challenge myself and... You know, to try and stay sharp as you, as I get a little older, you know? I, I mean, I feel like when you get older, you can get complacent, you can get set in your ways, and, and I certainly want to be able to remain insightful and relevant and and share what I can do with other people and also to facilitate other talents as well. And so I really want to make Phoenix a better place. Um, I see the podcast is doing that. I, there could be other ways of doing that. I certainly am not interested in running for politics, for, for office or anything like that, but I certainly am interested in reaching out and um, bettering the community I live in. Um, I'm just not sure what form that will take at this point in time. And my final question is, how are you and Tommy now? I mean, I speak to various people involved with The Room, um, the maker of The Room of Spoons, who's obviously got a lot of issues right now and it's very kind of negative. I speak to Greg Sestero, who's very positive. How is it with you and Tommy? Are you in a good place? Do you not speak anymore? How, how yeah. is it? I feel really bad about the guys, um, Rick and all those, the guys at um, Roomful of Spoons. I actually just went out to Canada and, and um, I was doing a couple screenings out there and was able to meet with them for a little while. I feel bad for them because they put in a lot of work into that film and they did it largely under the graces of good graces of Tommy and they had a falling out and all that stuff. I have not talked to Tommy since like, since like the premiere almost or thereabouts. Um, and I've, well, I've, I've actually, I have, we have had an email conversation, I guess. Um, he, um, has not been terribly supportive in terms of, you know, going to screenings and that sort of thing. And even like the comic book and whatnot. Um, a while back he, he um, knew I was going to do a screening to promote the comic book, and he didn't want me to do that. So, I mean, that's kind of the extent of our relationship, you know what I mean? Sounds like a big battle that anyone involved in the room, bar him, has on a daily basis. Yeah, I think um, the interesting thing is all, all, the, uh, sort of, all these little projects that happen, like as offshoots of the room, I feel I could do nothing but help the room, you know? That's kind of like my take on it, so... It's rather, it is a little bit confusing to me, um, his response. I mean, he's done an amazing job of, of kind of like making the room what it is, you know. How interesting, it's it spawns so many offshoots. Um, and that's got to say something about the people that were involved. I mean, film's a collaborative project. And the film could not have been made without everybody's collaboration and everybody's talents. And so it's interesting. I know. Uh, I, I, I don't know. My confusion creates no words. <laughs> well, I think it's been an absolute pleasure to speak to you today. I'm definitely going to go and check out your comic, and I'm going to actually listen to your podcast. I'm a big 
you know, lover of sharing podcasts. So we'll do what we can to get that podcast known across the pond here for you. I wish you all the luck with the podcast and I thank you for your time. Yeah, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. It was a good time. So there's the interview with Philip Holderman. And how great is that? He's doing podcasting. He's doing his own graphic novel and comic series about his time and life on the room. Everyone that's been involved in the room has something to share, a story to tell, and it's great that I've got so many already and we're only two guests down. Now, as I didn't say at the start of this, I've actually gone on and this is going to be a three-part podcast special. So on the next episode, you're going to get a couple more of the cast from the room and also the room mockumentary. So it's going to be great. The interviews are all recorded. I'm editing them as we speak and they'll be out in a couple of days. And then after that, we're going to speak to another couple of members so it's an experience I want you all to be you know part of I want you to know all about the room I want you to hear the stories from the cast themselves it's a big project it's something I didn't think would be this big I expected just to get a couple of the actors and hopefully get a few minutes worth of material that I could just about put an episode together instead I've probably interviewed the whole cast of the room I've got so many stories to share I've got so many of the experiences the actors have gone through it's so unique you'll never hear stories like this anywhere else and you'll never ever see a film like the room and to know that i've been able to put this together for you all and all the listeners out there get to share this it's so so good so please keep the comments coming keep the facebook coming the twitter coming just let me know how much you're enjoying it make sure you go on support robin i really want you to go out there and start following the room mockumentary the Room Actors, where are they now on Twitter? They're on Facebook. Follow them. Check them out. Do everything you can. Support this, because I want to see the 10-part series made. You can be part of this. It's so, so special. And in a year's time, when the Disaster Artist is out there and winning awards, you will know all about the characters. You will be so in love. You'll be buying the book. You'll be watching the series. Trust me, it's so infectious, and it's great. Thank you for listening and I'll speak to you all in a couple of days time with the follow-up to the Room Actors, Where Are They Now? special. Thank you.